the first thing that I would start with is technology, right? I think technology is key. It drives us. It allows us to go after our product and our information a lot faster. Technology and data are the two factors that I would have done a little bit differently. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today with Russell Nova. What is going on, my friend? How are you doing? What's happening, Yona? How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Everything is good. Everything is good. It is a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday today. It's kind of chilly, but you know, hey, it's you know, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, keep get the sun shining and uh, the weather is uh, sweet. Something like that makes me want to yeah. move my dancing feet. Some, some, something like that. I don't know, Russell. Tell us a little bit about you know your background, where you come from, what you're for our listeners who may not be familiar with you yet. I mean, what? What's your story? Where where'd you come from? Where you're at? Where are you going? Yeah, man. So I was I was raised in Brooklyn. I've been in the financial sector for roughly about 15 years. So I, I've started in the residential financing field when I was roughly about 18 years old. I was, you know, I just said to myself, hey, I have to get out there and get a job, right? So it was just, it was just at that point I said, I have to be on my own and I have to do things. So I started to do residential up until 2008 when uh, when the crash happened, right? And the whole world ended, right? So we so we were doing roughly about 20 deals of residential per month to when the when the world ended it was about one. It was a one deal it was one deal per month. Then we shifted over to um, to commercial financing is what is what I've been doing now for the latest for the best of 10 years now with a team called the Cornerstone Group of New York. Right. We are a debt advisory firm. We specialize in financing multifamily, mixed use, industrial, healthcare, with a concentration on multifamily. So we're kind of uh, we're kind of like an a la carte, right? Because we're mm-hmm. able to kind of help our sponsors and our followers and our and owner operators with with financing as well as sponsorship and um, and being an operator and kind of helping on that factor. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. What I mean, but more or less about me, it's just it's just when, you know, I just always been on the financing side right. for the last the last 10 years and it's been really really exciting. So, and you found opportunities through that to then get into the actual operation side of multifamily acquisitions, correct? Is that something recently you picked up or when did you start that? Absolutely. So as mentioned, I've been doing financing for the last 10 years and four years ago, something hit me, said, hold on a second. You know, I've been helping all these sponsors for the last 10 years. Why can't I do this for myself and for the people that I know who are closest to me? So four years ago, we began playing with this notion of, okay, let's, let's try to buy this property, right? And we picked up our first property that we bought was with a, another sponsorship group that we purchased a 30 unit in North Carolina, mm-hmm. which we recently just sold. So, so we purchased that property. Then we went on to 104 units. And, and long and behold, as of right now, my team, we own and operate roughly about 2,100 units under ownership and management across the states. That's right. Awesome. So it's been really exciting on that, on that point. You know, we go after, so we go after 
actually very decent markets, value add, opportunistic, opportunistic markets. And we're pretty bullish on any kind of value add. Awesome. And simultaneously, you're still focused on the, uh, on the debt and the financing side, correct? Absolutely. So we have a team at Cornerstone Capital, right? So we have a team of about 15 individuals. So our bread and butter is always financing. That's Cornerstone. They help right. um, individual sponsors, you know, really just get going. And we go to all these events trying to help, um, you know, the new guys that are starting out in the business and yeah. help them achieve financial freedom by actually helping them on the finance side. Amazing. Now, the ownership side is something that I handle along with my partners, part of MTN Investment Group. So MTN Investment Group is a, is a real estate investment firm where we collectively, myself and my partners, have been purchasing multifamily. And currently, as mentioned, we own and operate about 2,100 units and just got under contract on a very, very, very solid deal, which is 118 units in Buckhead, Atlanta, which I'm nice. very excited about. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's a really top class neighborhood. I mean, that's like one of the nicest neighborhoods in Atlanta. I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, we just closed uh, two weeks ago. We closed on, on another property in, in Riverdale. The market mm -hmm. is a bit different, but when you compare, you know, Riverdale, for example, to Buckhead, you can see the difference because the rent, the rent growth, the job growth, the population growth, the tech that's really happening there. They're dumping enorm an enormous amounts of money into the city, but that's not really the factor there. It's the land value. Hmm. It's impossible to find land mm -hmm. at, a, at a decent price point. From, from what we've been seeing, just an acre of land is roughly about $11 million. Wow. An acre of land. It's ridiculous. So what you're really buying for is you're buying land value. Wow. And are you, I mean, are you buying it? Just, just curious on that point. Are you buying additional land that comes with the property or, or are you just, you know, having the appreciation of that property that that's been happening? You, you see it uh, continuing to, to increase? I see land value in Atlanta, specifically in the Buckhead market, appreciating year, year over year. Mm -hmm. So right now we have about four acres right? So our cost basis is really low. We're coming in at a very, very, very good cost basis. So worst case scenario, a developer will come and purchase the, um, the property just for a build out. Mm. And, and, and with that said, you know, as we were going through this, we just got an email, I believe a couple of days ago, where a developer did buy an acre for $11 million mm -hmm. just to build a brand new development. So wow. you know, the comps are there, but uh, the appreciation will, will always be on, um, on the up and up in the Buckhead area. That's awesome. So are you combining these two aspects of, of your career here? Meaning buying amazing, you know, multifamily properties, but also coming into the debt. Meaning do you come and bring the debt on your own properties? Or are you outsourcing that to others just out of curiosity? Well, that's a funny question. That's actually a very good question. So a lot of times we've built a relationship with our banks, right? So, you know, being in this business for, for over 10 years, we've formed relationships. It's, it's bonds that we've formed with these banks and with these lenders. So, so now that I'm also an owner operator and I sign on the loans and I'm operations, we're part of asset management. We have an entire team. The banks actually give us preferential pricing, right? So they give us good pricing because not only do we bring the business, but we're now operations, right? So it's a it's an added value for us. But Cornerstone is one entity and MTN Investment Group is another entity, right? Understood. So for sure. they're a bit different. I'd like to keep it that way only <laughs> because I want sponsors to, um, to understand that we're still here to really help them 
you know, achieve, you know, financial freedom. And plus we have the relationships. Right. And um, just last year, 2021 was our best year. We financed over just our office. We financed close to a billion dollars in value. Wow. Not commission. Otherwise we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> yeah. No, but volume, that's incredible. I mean, for, for an office of, uh, of 15 employees, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and we're very happy about that. We're growing year after year, about 20%. And that is thankful for all the people that really put trust in us and my team. And I strongly believe that it's not just me. It is my team that really puts together and takes time every day to really do great for our sponsorship team, as well as really working with our lenders, our preferred lenders. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So what are some of the things that, that you think the factors that have brought you to where you are? I mean, you kind of throw it off the cuff there a little lightly, you know, 2,100 units, yeah, that, that's a big deal. You know, it takes time, it takes a lot of effort, tenacity to, to get to that. What are some of those, you know, key factors that you believe have kind of helped you to get there? One of the things I always tell people, you must have patience, right? And you hit it right in the mark. It's time, it's, it, it's efficiency. You have to have patience for this. When we got into this and we began to work this, I was on Zoom calls till 12 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't stop. Right. So I was on Zoom calls until until like 12 a.m., really working with 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 other operators, traveling. Patience is really what I is the first and foremost that I would tell everyone when doing something like this. Everything else, knowledge, it comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to have patience because it's not a get rich quick scheme. Right. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. You're in it for the long run. When you do operations, you're in it for the long run because you have a responsibility to your investors, to your partners, and to your banks to provide the best product and to provide the best operations that you can. Absolutely. And I mean, just, just as you said, I mean, real estate is definitely not a rich, get rich quick, but also even from the operational side, when you're talking about being a syndicator, oftentimes you're only going to be getting paid you know, on the promote, getting paid on when, you know, when that capital event happens years down the road, you know, you're not going to get a big uh, payout at the beginning. And oftentimes you, you know, depending on what your stake is, uh, oftentimes the limited partners are really going to be getting the returns, their preferred returns, and you may not be getting so much along the way. So it really is a long-term effort. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I actually want to keep it that way, right? I want to make sure that the LPs the people who are investing are actually getting paid before any of us get paid, right? Mm -hmm. Because it holds us responsible, right? It puts us as an accountability. We must perform for our partners and for our investors before any of the operator, the operators can actually get compensated on that. And that's the way that we've been doing, right? There are some deals that we, that we offer a 8% preferred, 9% preferred, right? Before any of our sponsors get it. And not only do we syndications, but we also do JVs as well. So you know, when you when you purchase a larger property, of course, of the syndication model works best because you get to have a, a pool of individuals that come in and invest in the property with you. If you're dealing with a property that's like 10 million and below, you get a few partners that come in and you can actually just take down the property with a JV. Sure. So there's a difference between a syndication and a JV. I can spend a whole day with you on the difference. <laughs> yeah, I, really I mean, it's a it's it's definitely a great. A great topic. We've actually covered it. If anyone wants to check out a podcast with Nick Moore, 
who's uh, one wow. of our great attorneys. He, he had a great uh, podcast that I go back and talk about the difference between a JV and syndication just from the legal side of things and raising capital and stuff like that. That was a great episode. But Roland, really what I'm curious about, I mean, you're from Brooklyn, right? You got the Brooklyn uh, attitude. You got the accent and everything. Pace. And you're, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'm from California, like the exact opposite kind of thing. You know, just chilled out. Not yeah. originally from there. I'm not there now. But the point I want to get to is, I mean, you are from what I understand, buying properties in the Southeast, right? Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, right? I mean, that's what we talked about until now. What's the reason for that? It may be simple to some people out there, but to you, like, why are you not, or maybe you are, buying in your backyard in Brooklyn or, or and why focusing on, on these areas instead? Well, before I answer that, I hope that our, our, our government is, is listening to this, to this podcast um, so they could pretty much hear why I'm personally not buying in the state of New York. Well, number one is, is because it's very hard for a landlord to really prosper in New York City, right? If it's Brooklyn, if it's Queens, our rent laws and our, our rent laws and regulations are just not there as of yet, right? You can never lose in New York City if you buy in Manhattan and if you buy at a good cost basis and you really put down a large down payment, you really won't lose. But if you're over leveraged, at some point, if we have a market correction, which we are happening right now, things are happening in that way, there could be a big, big change because we're not allowed to charge. We're not allowed to charge what we want to charge to our tenants, which is the market, because we have our rent laws. We have rent control. For example, if a unit is vacant in Brooklyn or in New York, you can't renovate it and turn it into market. It doesn't exist. They don't allow that. So it's very hard for us to operate. And it's just not worth it. It's not worth taking a risk at this point. Will it change? I hope it does because it's very easy for me just to get in a car and drive for 20 minutes to a property that, that I own. Unfortunately, that's not the case here, right? And, and the reason that I invest in the Southeast, for example, Florida and Georgia, which are my two biggest states going forward for 2022 and 2023, is because of the, of the opportunity that we can provide such great products to our tenants but then also be able to charge the rent that the market is actually asking for and requiring for. So if we're coming in and renovating a unit that looks and feels like an $1,800 per month unit, then I should be able to charge that if the tenant is willing to pay that. On top of that, you know, I'm, I don't want to get, I don't want to get political, but we try to only invest in red states. It just makes things easier. They're landlord friendly. They're real estate friendly. There are tons of, of tax exceptions that us as real estate individuals can really prosper from. And also for me to get on a plane, I'd like to be below an hour and a half. If I can get to my destination for an hour and a half, mm -hmm. that is key for me. You know, being able to service my debt, being able to service my properties within two hours. That's it. That's great. I mean, those are those are all great reasons, and I appreciate you bringing that to light. Uh, unfortunately, it's the case a lot of times. So you know, we hope and we we pray and we try to do what we can to get the legislation to pass laws that are friendly to everyone. Unfortunately, they have some other ideology, and um, you know, in states like New York and California, and we're seeing major changes that. I mean, the decrease in population. I mean, is that maybe a personal question? But have you considered like? thousands or millions of other people just relocating? I mean, you've been Brooklyn your whole life. So yeah. So, um, you know, because of all of this happening and the fact that I'm traveling a lot, I actually, I have a place in Florida where mm -hmm. I travel on a, on a monthly basis. 
And from there on, I can, I can perform my operational duties. So from Miami, I travel to Jacksonville, to Orlando, to Georgia, to Atlanta, which makes things easier. And right. yes, because of all this, I decided them to do that. And, and just to mention, I have a, I have a couple of buddies out in, out in California who are just like me as, as operators and they lived and they want to invest in California, but they can't, it's impossible yeah. to invest in there. So their next best thing is Arizona and Texas. Because mm-hmm. it's literally an hour away, an hour or two away from their location. So right. it's really on the same exact thing from my end. Absolutely. Yeah, same thing. And those are all, I mean, these are all the hottest markets. I mean, the population growth, the job growth is the highest in these locations that we just mentioned. 100%. 100%. Amazing. So if you could put yourself back, you know, kind of reset the clock, go back in time uh, 15 years ago the big crash was about to happen or whatever. And you were getting first involved in commercial real estate in terms of the lending side, the financing side, what would you have done differently in terms of if you would do anything differently that you've learned over the years, running a, you know, a mortgage company is not an easy thing. And obviously, like you said, you've done a a tremendous amount last year, a billion dollars in loans. I mean, that's, that's a huge amount. How would you get to that faster if you were to do it again? That's a good question. I think the first thing that I would start with is technology, right? I think technology is key. It drives us. It allows us to go after our product and our information a lot faster. Technology and data are the two factors that I would have done a little bit differently. I was a little bit skeptical when I first got into this. Should we really invest heavy into technology? Mm-hmm. Should we really go after the data and see how people are, are going after these properties? What's the research? You know, what's the information that we're seeing? So one of those things where I did it old school, where I just picked up the phone and I just called people, hey, you know, would you like a, you know, would you like a mortgage? Can we help you with the refinance? If I would have invested more into technology, I think that we would have been on a, on a high trajectory as of right now, probably more business, more employees, more advisors, more analysts. I think I'd probably be at around the one and a half range if that was the case, right? So, but with all of this happening, you also have expenses. So you have to, you have to kind of understand where's your point where you say, say, okay, you're stopped and you're comfortable where you are. That makes sense. What are some of those technologies that, that you use that you mentioned that are, have been very helpful? So as of right now, I'm, I'm very big on, uh, on Reonomy. Not sure if you, if you're, if you're aware of that. Yeah, I've come across it for sure. Yeah, so they're a great platform. They're a great tool. I know the guys, when they first started in the business and they were at the events and they were pitching their product, I was like, okay, time for me to get into it. And this was roughly about, what are we, 2022? This was back in 2017, I believe they first got into the business. That's exactly right. I actually had a call with them like right at the very beginning, back in 2017. (laughs) Great, Great guys. And I was like, you know what, something about them. And I said, okay, let me jump in. And ever since 2022... 2017, I was able to, to use their technology and, and their platform to go and, and speak to people that I would never thought I would have actually had an opportunity. I had all their information when they bought the property, you know, what their rate was, when the loan was expiring, the details about the individual, which gave us as advisors an opportunity to really speak to these individuals from a more simplistic you know, perspective. And there are others, of course, like Ecto, um, Octavia, you know, that, um, um, that followed I'm the lead. Ectovia is more or less a lead generation platform as well that really followed uh, um, Reonomy. Obviously, the best of the best is obviously you, you do have Property Shark. 
So with Property Shark, you're able to really see everything about the property, the location, the zoning, the surveys. So there's a lot of tools that you can use. But as of right now, you know, we're using that and CoStar. So I'm kind of giving you the three biggest, which is Reonomy, CoStar, and Property Shark. That's great. And you're using those on the on the lending side, you're saying, in terms of uh, how, to, how to find owners, how to find leads and things like that, or on the actual uh, buying side as well? So CoStar we use on the buying side specifically. Mm-hmm. So on so for CoStar we're using on the buying side because CoStar is more towards retail and large multifamily properties. Right. You have Property Shark and you and you have Reonomy that specifically um, just caters to the fact of the lending property. So we have a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's great. It's great to hear these different uh, products out there. I don't, you know, everyone listening to this, maybe they, they're not familiar with that. I mean, I definitely, it pays to learn what data is out there and what technology services are out there. And there are new ones coming up all the time, which is amazing. I see new things coming to market and new services, new technologies that are just going to help in a tremendous amount of way. For example, we had uh, David Tupin out with the real estate lab, and he's got a great tool that he's uh, that he's built out. And, uh, you know, just helping individuals, helping syndicators find deals and help that acquisition process make it uh, really seamless. Absolutely. Listen, I, I actually heard of the Real Estate Lab. I see that he's doing a lot of great stuff. He's very, he's very active on Facebook and LinkedIn, which is, you know, which is very, very good. I did forget to mention Facebook as one of the tech, as one of the tech things. I mean, um, honestly, it's, it has given me an opportunity to reach so many sponsors and so mm. many operators within the market. And uh, I'm grateful for that as well. You know, I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to meet and really help many, many of the sponsors on Facebook as well. Is that you, with that, is that through the Facebook ads or, or just the networking in the platform itself? Just the networking. Um, you know, I'm big on networking. I'm big on really getting out there and meeting people and seeing people and kind of having that conversation and really saying, hey, my name is Russell Nova. I'm here for you. I'd love to help with this. This is what we've been doing. This is who we've been helping. And it's and it's been helping. There are many events throughout the year, which have right. won. There's an IMN event in the beginning of May, which mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be attending. There's another event in um, in June and July. Every month, there's something. So you'll probably see me at all of these events because right. I'm big at that. I want to I want to go out there and see people and meet people and hug people. That's just who I am. <laughs> all right. Well, looking forward to seeing you at the next one. That's for sure. Well, uh, yeah. So I'd love to transition now to what we call the, the final four. Uh, Russell, these are four questions that I ask for all my guests. And the first question to you is, what's the worst job that you ever had? Ooh, okay. The worst, I'd say worst, but humbling, right? It allowed me to understand what it means to receive a dollar. I was a salesman at, at 16 years old. I was, a, I was a clothing salesman. I was, uh, you know, at 16, 17 years old, you know, I was, I was approaching, you know, young adulthood. Um, but it was very humbling because I, I understood what it, what it means to work for a dollar. So that was my, I guess I would call it my worst, but allowed me to really understand my, you know, who I was as an individual. Absolutely. I mean, you learn, it's, it's interesting that most people, when I ask this question, I'd say 80% of the people, and I, I don't go back and like do the actual statistics, it's just me making it up in my head, but like 80% of people, it's like, it's one of the first jobs that they ever had. And you learn so much. And I think that's the biggest thing. You learn really quickly with that first job, like, hmm, is this something I want to do more or not? And most people, it's not. So, and and just to piggyback off that, that first job that I had, I actually, a few years ago, I went back and I refinanced that property for the owner of that of that clothing store. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Talking about coming full circle, you know, it's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's like the, you know, that's the, humbling one-on-one. That's amazing. Oh, good for you. Uh, second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Truthfully speaking, one of the books that I've read and I am rereading again and again and again, it's Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. You really, really read it. There's there's a sub subliminal message in there that, you know, that really catches on. And um, you can read the book once and not understand it and not get it. You could read it twice and not get it. But then if you read it on your third or your fourth, you may get a subliminal message on there. I'm not going to say what it is, but I strongly, I strongly recommend on the listeners right here to, to really take on that book, think and grow rich. Well, there you have it. Interesting. So I read it one time and uh, I don't know if I got that subliminal message. So maybe it's time to, <laughs> to go back and Audio read it again. Book, book, Audio book. Yeah. Again. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. There's uh, there's so much to learn from all these books and especially that book. I mean, just even if you don't get the subliminal message there, there's a lot to learn from it because it really does teach you that the power of, of your mind and the power of, of your mindset and really bring that into reality. I and mean, that's something I believe in strongly, like your words and your thoughts really do create your reality. So you got to be very careful with that. 100%. And I use that on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'm cautious of that as well. When I speak to people or when I meet people or how I present myself, I always go, I always go back and think about what I've read in that book. Hmm. Very interesting. Awesome. Well, let's move to the third question then, which is going to be what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Um, you know what? I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to learn how to paint. Is that weird? Hmm. I've weird always at all. wanted to no. learn how to paint. <laughs> you know, I see all these beautiful paintings all over the place. I'm no Picasso. Um, you know, I'm no Michelangelo or anything else like that, but I'd like to learn how to paint just, you know, just the idea of using colors and putting it together. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a work of art and just creating something. Just time won't allow me to do that, but I do want to, I, I would love to learn how to paint. That's amazing. You got to set some time aside, you know, the easel, soon. just, just do it soon. We're on a mission. We're on a five-year mission now. So soon. The five-year mission. What's that about? What's the five-year mission? So every year I set a goal for myself, but in 2022, we set a five-year goal for ourselves. It's really what I want to hit in five years. So, so when I set the goal, I was 35, I am now 36, right? So the goal is by 40. And that is professionally, of mm-hmm. course, professionally and also family is to really hit all of my boxes that I'd like to hit. One of them is obviously by the age of 40, I'd like to have at least 15,000 units under ownership. You know, we're not far. If we keep on moving and we keep on doing, I think that, you know, we'll get there. But there's mm-hmm. a goal. If you set a goal and you push yourself um, to become that person, I think that you can. So we are on a five year mission for, you know, professionally and also for family. Yeah. Love that. Okay. That, that's awesome. Well, I wish, uh, wish you best of luck getting that. And that's, let's get to the final question, which is what does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? I think what success means to me is the people around me, right? If the people around me are happy, they're thriving and they're successful, that means that I am successful. I never want to put myself first and that's just who I am on as an individual, as well as on the financing side, as well as on the operation side. Mm. To me, it's really about who my team is and who I, I surround myself with. And most importantly, as mentioned, if my team, if the people around me are happy, thriving and successful, I'm also successful on that end. 
That's awesome. Love that. Really about thinking about other people and thinking, making sure everyone around you is, is successful. That's going to get you to where you need to get to. That's for sure. hundred percent. Well, Russell, it's definitely been a pleasure. Uh, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Absolutely. You can reach out to me, um, you know, via my cell phone, please. Anytime. 917-559-1820. 917-559-1820. Or you could visit our website, which is www.mtninvestmentgroup.com. That is the operation side. And on the financing side, that is www.csg-ny.com. You can reach out to me on both platforms, as mentioned, from the financing side, as well as from the operation side. Awesome. It's not complicated. <laughs> it's not. Keep it simple. That's awesome, Russell. No, I'm glad you cleared that up because I was I'm a little confused myself. Is he an operations guy? Is he a financing guy? He's both. You know, guys, you got to understand you can have two businesses operating simultaneously, being very successful, and you exemplify that. So I wish you much continued success and I uh, appreciate you coming on here today. Yona, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And once again, if you need me, I'm just, I'm just a phone call away. <laughs> All right. And to our listeners, remember until next time, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.